Assalamualaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam, and I'm your host, Tariq El Amin. Happy New Year's, Radio Islam family. For those of you who are new to Radio Islam, welcome. We're a live call-in talk show broadcasting from Chicago on WCEV 1450 AM. And you can hear our live stream at www.wcev1450.com or listen to us on the TuneIn app at WCEV. Uh, if you haven't already done so, keep up with us on social media by following and liking us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. If you have a comment or question you'd like to pose throughout the course of tonight's show, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 312-750-1178. That is 312-750-1178. As always, you can feel free to message us, uh, post on our Facebook page, or send us, uh, inbox us if you've got a, uh, a question or comment that you might not want to have out in the open. So, we, uh, that is always open to you. Radio Islam family, it is 2018, and we've got some new things in store for you. Uh, tonight is our first edition of our jobs report with Kim Pearson of the Chicago Urban League. Uh, we'll be talking with her every week, inshallah, with God's permission, uh, getting an update on jobs, events, and programs available to job seekers uh, in the Chicagoland and surrounding area. We're also starting the Radio Slam Book Club, uh, a novel idea. Yeah, it's very original, right? A novel idea. The important thing is the book club. Uh, we will be reading a book each month and having a group discussion, uh, discussion on it at the end of the month. So we're going to start out our reading list with the autobiography of Malcolm X as told to Alex Haley. Uh, there's a link to the book on our Facebook page. Uh, and our discussion will be in studio on Friday, January 26th. Uh, so if you're interested in reading along with us, we'd love to hear from you, uh, particularly on that day. And we'll probably be having some discussions, some online uh, discussions uh, via Twitter and Facebook. So keep your eyes open. Uh, and that book, once again, is the autobiography of Malcolm X, as told to Alex Haley. That's going to be our first book. Uh, so in addition to the jobs report from the Chicago Urban League, uh, we'll be talking tonight about the California about California's recent legalization of the sale of recreational marijuana. Uh, we'll also uh, close out the show by asking the question, are comedians, uh, particularly like Dave Chappelle, uh, he recently released a, uh, has, I guess the latest in his deal with Netflix a stand-up special, uh, Equanimity and the Bird Revelation, which I saw, which I thought was just really uh, profound for a lot of different reasons, and there's been a lot of conversation about it. Uh, but alongside Dave, uh, comedians like Dave Chappelle, there's also uh, Chris Rock, uh, for example. And uh, the conversation we want to have a little bit about is to delve into the uh, idea of looking at comedians, uh, these two in particular, as thought leaders. Uh, now, there are many more. But this idea of influencing the conversations that we have uh, as a society, uh, the way we see ourselves, uh, and just taking a moment, uh, allowing us to, to, to look at ourselves. So we'll be talking about that. And we want to also look at not just what they have to say, but what we have to say about what they're saying. So before we get into tonight's show, um, I'm going to let you digest all that. We're going to take a short break, and we'll get right back into the show. You're listening to Radio Islam at WCV 1450 AM. Streets below, traffic had stopped. Pedestrians were lying on sidewalks and curled up in doorways. There was no sign of violence, no wrecks, nothing like that. It was as if the people in New York had simply decided to stop whatever they were doing and pass out. Ice coated my stomach. The invasion has started. To find out what happens next, read Percy Jackson and the Olympians by Rick Reardon. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library. And visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated 
by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, one in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 88. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Welcome back to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Olamin. Uh Recently, well, today, as a matter of fact, as of 12.01 a.m., a legal regulation that was on the ballot in California uh, back in November has passed. Uh, this legislation allows for the legal sale of marijuana for recreational use. And this adds on to the legalization of medical marijuana. Uh, this legislation provides the state of California with uh, an obvious increased taxable revenue from authorized distributors. So my concern with this, what I'd like us to think about, is will there be any legislation that will show the changing spirit of California uh, and much of the United States for that matter that's going to result in the release of the thousands of persons currently incarcerated for ma- marijuana-related crimes? Uh, non of nonviolent offenders in particular. Uh, there are thousands of people that are on parole, many of which have been marked as felons. So what's going to be done to rectify the damage done to those lives? Uh, and this should not come as a surprise to your Radio Islam family. Well, I, I can't make the assumption that everyone listening is aware of the lopsided numbers when it comes to the arrest of black and brown people contrasted with uh, their white counterparts. Uh, As you might expect, felony arrests have been more constant uh, over the same period. I'm sorry, excuse me. When we're looking at, uh, there was a, there was a, an article that was written um, back in August. Uh, An article written back in August that appeared in the Washington Post. And uh, it was written by Christopher Ingram, and he voiced a lot of the concerns uh, and reservations that people uh, that people had regarding what is going to be the impact, not just from a monetary uh, standpoint, but what is going to be the impact, or will there be an impact that is going to uh, that will address those people that have, that have been caught up in a system that has jailed thousands upon thousands of people. Um, Nonviolent offenders, once again, I have to uh, repeat that. Is there going to be any type of legislation that's going to uh, address that? So I want, to share, I want to share a bit of what he wrote in this article in 2016 uh, leading up to that, uh, to that election. So he says, under the proposed legal regulation on the ballot in November, possessing concentrated uh, and giving away small quali- quantities of weed will be fully legal, as we're growing up to six marijuana plants at home. And sales of the plant will be legalized and taxed in a manner similar to the market currently in Colorado. Beyond that, uh, the report finds sharp racial disparities in marijuana arrest, similar to what other reports have shown nationally. Studies have shown that blacks and whites use and sell marijuana at similar rates, but in California, Blacks are roughly four times more likely to be arrested for any marijuana offense than whites are, according to the state's arrest data. In 2015, black people were more than twice as likely as white people to be arrested for a marijuana misdemeanor and nearly five times more likely than white people to be arrested for a marijuana felony, according to the report. 
While many people believe that marijuana is essentially legal in California, data shows us that thousands continue to be arrested annually for marijuana activities, said Jolene Foreman, an attorney with the Drug Policy Alliance, uh, in a statement. These arrests fall disproportionately on black and Latino Californians. The only way to begin to repair these disparities is to move marijuana into a fully regulated market and to reduce or eliminate criminal prohibitions for minor marijuana activities, which is precisely what they have done, but this does not speak to the latter part of the concern, which is what is to be done with those who have already been caught up in the system. So uh, returning back to the, uh, to the article, it says, The data are silent on what percentage of these arrests leads to criminal convictions and jail time. But an arrest in and of itself, regardless of what happens afterward, can have devastating consequences for some individuals. An arrest can mean a missed day of work and the loss of a job or a paper trail that prevents you from getting a new job. If you can't post bail, it can mean weeks in jail awaiting a trial. In extreme cases, an arrest can be a death sentence. Now, I want to stop here for a moment. Uh, if you have not, now this was uh, this was not necessarily related to um, to to marijuana law enforcement or drug enforcement, anything like that. But if you have not, if you're not familiar with the Khalif Browder story, uh, this is a young man who was arrested in, uh, in in New York, and at 15, and was sent to Rikers Island, and. Uh, he was he was incarcerated for about three years. He was unable initially to post a nine hundred dollar bond to uh, to get out of jail uh, while awaiting trial. Uh, but not too much. I think after his first trial, maybe it was a, a month in, uh, they revoked uh, bail for him, so he no longer had the option, and he underwent just a series of just it was it was horrific abuses uh throughout his time in that system he was a, a, a eventually released and not long after his release maybe a year or so uh the young man through through damage that was done to him while he was inside uh, uh specifically through solitary confinement uh prolonged periods of solitary confinement he developed mental health issues that were not addressed, that were not treated. And unfortunately, a young man took his own life uh, at the age, I believe it was 21. Now, I stopped at this point in the article just to talk about, just to bring us, uh, bring us to, the, to the forefront of our minds that there are many people who are incarcerated right now who are awaiting trial, and they are in jail because they are unable to pay a bond. They are unable to, to provide a cash bond. Uh, and we're talking about folks who are incarcerated with uh, uh, a bond that would get them with $1,000 or less, but are unable to come up with that type of money. So they are in a position where basically because they are impoverished, they are poor, they are incarcerated. So this idea uh, of it being a, a death sentence, uh, if it is a, uh, if it is an individual, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go too far uh, off into a, a different conversation. But this is this is definitely uh, this is definitely a reality. Um, so it, it's something uh, to think about. Those who are arrested, even on minor, on minor charges, it can have grave. Uh, effects on their lives, you know, losing employment, not being able to uh, to, to be active part of their family's lives. Uh, there's just there's so many so many things that happen when poor people in particular are incarcerated. So uh, let me go back into this uh, to this article. So it says legalization in California will certainly reduce the overall number of marijuana arrests, but it's unclear how effective it would be at reducing racial disparities in pot arrest. These dis those disparities have stubbornly persisted in places like Colorado and Washington, even after legalization. So, Radio Islam family, as we see states like Colorado, California, the District of Columbia, 
uh, which is not a state, um, but uh, in others, as a precursor to what's likely to happen in states like um, like Illinois in particular, my home state, uh, which has already joined other states in its legalization of medicinal marijuana. And if we should find ourselves following in California's footsteps, we have to consider undoing the damage done to those whose lives have been changed by arrest, um, those whose lives have been changed by the, the felony conviction, uh, what that means in regard to that paper trail that was alluded to uh, in the article. Uh, if we look, and we've talked about this before on the show, uh, there are quite a few, quite, I mean, I think it was over 100 uh, different licenses that you are unable to apply for, that you are unable to obtain if you have a felony conviction on you in Illinois. And I can only imagine, and I'm going to, I'm going to dare to assume, and I'm not one to assume, but I'm going to assume that this is not something that's unique to Illinois, um, that there are many spaces, there are many places throughout the country where a felony conviction uh, not only strips you of your ability to uh, effectively engage, you know, civically, uh, to participate in elections, to run for office, uh, to associate with, you know, freely with, with whom you choose, to, uh, to go into whatever, uh, to go into whatever occupation uh, you would deem, to receive public uh, housing assistance, to receive educational grants. Uh, there are so many things that come along with this. And I go back and I say once again that we're, all, we're talking about uh, particularly those who are nonviolent offenders. So the idea, the idea, Radio Islam family, of somebody at this point now, thousands of people who may find themselves or who are, who are uh, incarcerated on mar- marijuana-related charges, and then to see that legislation has been passed that now allows for the recreational uh, sale of marijuana. And, and keep in mind, this is not an argument for, uh, for, uh, for marijuana use, right? That's, that's, not the, that's not the argument at all. Um, and, and I hope that's understood. The argument is, it is, the argument is simply about the impact of policy. And when policy changes based on public sentiment, uh, when it changes based upon uh, corporate interests, then there should also be a reflection that that uh, policy should also change that addresses the damage that has been done by past policy. So the the effect of marijuana laws, uh, not marijuana laws, but marijuana arrest, in particular, it has been disproportionately uh, placed upon black and brown communities, communities of color. Uh, and it has had disastrous effects uh, for those families, for the families of, of those individuals who are incarcerated. It, is ha- it has limited their prospects for, uh, for employment, for education, for housing. Uh, and it is something that if we're going to be, if we're going to be responsible, if we're going to be just, and really approach this from a, uh, from a standpoint that allows us to, to implement justice, then that is the next. Matter of fact, that those things, those two things, in my opinion, should have gone hand in hand. If they legalize it, uh, all those people who have been arrested, they need to be released. And in addition to their release, they should, their records should also be expunged. Flat out. So I'm interested... Um, if you if you see things differently, if you agree, if you have a comment, feel free to give us a call at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. Uh, lastly, what I'll say about this is uh, as this movement has changed, the public sentiment has changed, uh, and in large part, I think has been aided by uh, the film industry uh, through... Uh, through you know recreational uh, drug use, uh, particularly uh, marijuana and alcohol, uh, these things are prevalent. 
uh, throughout throughout the throughout film uh, in the movies, uh, and they're made light of, and there's a there's a different sentiment uh, today than may have been may have been held before. But my my concern, my priority, uh, even beyond the the changing sentiment that America has on it, my concern is once again how does it affect those people who have the least amount of ability to uh, to advocate for themselves, those people who are in situations where that was a major, that was a part of their economy, right? The same, the same money, the same dollars that are being generated now by medicinal marijuana uh, dispensaries uh, and that are about to be, um, they're about to be collected from these dispensaries that are that are selling for recreational use. This is the same economy, the same money that was circulating within uh, impoverished communities, uh, by and large throughout the United States, where people of color were engaging in the same act that is now legal, but found themselves victim, found themselves victim to uh, to prosecution, to arrest. Uh, incarceration, uh, and upon their release, some of them, depending on depending on their level of engagement, what they were doing, they found themselves with felonies on them uh, on themselves. So there is an element, there is a deep element of hypocrisy um, that is present, and it's hypocrisy if that reality, if that damage is not uh, is not addressed. Uh, there was a point, uh, you know, we, we we study, we hear about prohibition. Uh, there was a point where alcohol was illegal. Now, for our Muslim, um, our Muslim audience, and there's some of our Christian audience who, you know, we don't we don't drink, uh, but we recognize that as a society, there are many. Obviously, there are many. Uh, there's a large seg- segment of our uh, society that does. Uh, and today, those same people, uh, same companies or companies now, who who make billions of dollars I would dare say from alcohol sales uh, at one point this uh, they too were also they also risked uh, they risked arrest so you know the corporate interest versus the the moral interest uh, or the interest of uh, justice uh, it'd be nice to see them on the same on the same page uh, so I think that's what people of conscience are going to be forced to stand up for and to address uh, as we move forward uh, because this is something that is going to be, uh, I foresee that's going to be replicated around uh, the country, uh, state by state, um, where it will it will become an additional revenue stream uh, for states. But if we're not addressing, once again, if we're not addressing the damage that has been done um, two communities of color uh, in particular, then we are not going to be, uh, then, then, then we are definitely going to be guilty uh, of, of hypocrisy uh, and neglect, and we really haven't done anything to change, to, to really change the condition uh, of our society. So uh, that is, that is my, my spiel on, uh, on this issue. I'm sure we're, we're probably going to wind up talking about this again. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll be monitoring it and we'll see, we'll see how it continues to develop. So you listen to Radio Slam. Uh, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Faucet running. That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. 
Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Elamine. We are broadcasting live at WCEV 1450 AM, and we are reaching the world by streaming at www.wcev1450.com. Uh, Radio Islam family, I am pleased to introduce a new segment to you. Uh, today, we have on the line with us Kimberly Pearson, uh, an employment specialist with the Chicago Urban League. And we're going to be talking about some of the employment opportunities that are available and learn a little bit more about this uh, storied institution, uh, Chicago Urban League. Uh, Kim, are you with us? I am, yes. All right, thank you, and welcome to Radio Islam. Thank you. So glad to be on. Share share a little bit about uh, what Chicago Urban League uh, does and a little bit about the history for some of the Radio Islam family who may not be uh, familiar with this uh, storied institution. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, established in 1916, uh, the Chicago Urban League, we work uh, for economic, educational, and social progress for African Americans. And we promote strong, sustainable communities through advocacy, um, collaboration, and innovation. Uh, we believe that a strong African American community makes for a better Chicago. And specifically, uh, my department, Workforce Development, we work with the unemployed and the underemployed populations uh, in and around Chicago to offer soft skills training and employment assistance programs, which I'll talk a little bit more about um, near the end of our call. Okay. All right. That's great. That's great. So um, you mentioned that the organization is one of those one of those organizations, much like the uh, NAACP, which has a uh, which is a focus on the um, on the African American population, but it is also um, it is also open to all of all Chicagoans. Absolutely, absolutely. We have clients we service in Gary, Indiana, Northwest Indiana, um, all around suburban areas. We do have some affiliate urban leagues, but we don't turn anyone down that comes through our doors for help if it's a program that we can offer and assist them with. Okay, great, great. Now, what are some of the uh, some of the employment opportunities that are available right now? So right now, um, we have a lot of running partnerships. I, uh, my, my main goal is to always build partnerships with employers that offers jobs through the, uh, around the gamut, you know, not just one specific area and positions that will speak to people and many different levels of education and work history and background. And so one of our exciting partnerships that we're in right now is with the Hilton Chicago brand um, hotels. And there are six hotels that we're currently working with in this initiative. And um, they include the Hilton Chicago downtown, the Drake Hotel, uh, the Palmer House, and the Embassy Suites, Hilton O'Hare, and Hilton Rosemont. And so basically the way that it works, Tariq, is if you go to jobs.hilton.com and apply for a position at one of those six locations and indicate that your referral source was Chicago Urban League, we know for sure your application will at least get pulled for screening. Um, we cannot guarantee employment, but we can definitely assist you with getting in front of an employer. Of course, your resume needs to speak directly to the skills that's looking that the, you know the position is is requiring. But if it matches up, you know, by saying that you're affiliated with the Chicago Urban League, we can at least get you in direct communication with the employer. Mm. 
Yes, absolutely. So this is an exciting uh, relationship that we have. And then one of the other relationships we have is with Verizon. Uh, you will hear me mention them in many different capacities as they work with workforce development. But right now we are working closely with them in trying to uh, fill some positions as with their sales support specialists. They have positions open at four different locations in Chicago, and that's uh, the Wicker Park location, the Bucktown location, the location on North Halsted, and then also downtown on South State Street. And if individuals are interested in applying for those positions, they can just Google uh, Chicago jobs with Verizon and self-support specialists is the role they're looking for. And then the individual link to apply for that specific position or for that specific store, you'll be directed to uh, further down the application. It'll put you in the right direction for the location. Okay. Well, let me ask this, Kim. In addition yes. to the, uh, the the partnerships that you have, you mentioned Verizon uh, as one of those, um, as, as a company that does work with the workforce development. Um, mm-hmm. is, is there Are there any in-house um, uh, resources uh, with regard to workforce development, say in the, in the realm of uh, maybe developing a resume or interview skills, things like that, that the Chicago Urban League uh, offers? Absolutely. So that was actually my next point. Um, <laughs> if you are having a hard time finding employment and you're not really sure why, a lot of times it can be, uh, there's a myriad of reasons. The resume, of course, that's the first thing an employer will see about you if you are applying for a job blindly. And so what we like to do is we will work with you on getting your resume, your cover letter together. Um, if you're someone you've worked in one industry for 10, 20, 30 years plus, and now for whatever reason that job has ended and you're in the job market, the job market looks totally different than it did just five or 10 years ago. We don't even have to go back 20 or 30 years. Um, but if you're someone in that realm and not really sure what to do, if you've never had a job before for whatever reason and you're currently looking um, and not sure, uh, again, of, about what steps to take, you are talking to the right person and you are in the right direction, um, every Thursday here at work in our Workforce Development Center at the Urban League, we have orientation. That's a job readiness orientation. You come out and learn more about the services, what the organization does as a whole, and then also specifically what services we can offer, what certifications and programs we can assist you with. Uh, we have a very lucrative success strategies job training uh, workshop that will definitely help you get uh, on your feet in terms of looking for a job and what steps you should be taking to gain success in that area and that's every Thursday here at the Urban League at 9 a.m. you can come in and get more information. Um, I can also give you our phone number oh, and do. our email address and how you can get more information from us in regards to our workshops and our uh, orientation. Okay. Uh, uh, please share that. Feel free to share that information. <laughs> Absolutely. So for more information, um, you can always visit our website. That's www.thechicagourbanleague.org. You can find us on Facebook and also follow us on Twitter. If you want to speak to someone directly in workforce, you can give us a number at 773-624-8800. And Tariq, I'll also send you an email with all of those details in case you have callers that want more information after we're done with the segment, uh, we're here that we can help them and give them more information, you know, if they want to reach out to us directly. Well, Kim, thank you for taking the time to, to talk with us uh, and to introduce the Chicago Urban League to the Radio Slam family. Uh, I look forward to talking to you again uh, uh, very soon because this type of information uh, can have great impact on the quality of folks' lives, just being able to be uh, employed or improve their employment or improve their prospects for employment. So, yeah, so we we thank you once again, and we're happy to start off the new year uh, like this. So uh, happy new year to you and all the good folks at the Chicago Urban League. Thank you so much, Tariq, and I look forward to speaking with you again soon. All right, looking forward to it. Thanks, Kim. Okay, have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. All right, Radio Slime family, we're going to take a short break. Uh, We hope you uh, enjoyed that 
and um, we'll go ahead and post that information as well on the Radio Islam uh, Facebook page for those of you who are looking for uh, looking for employment or looking to bolster your uh, opportunities for employment. So uh, we thank once again Ken Pearson for joining us. So we're going to take a short break and we will be back in just a moment. My name is Sue Smith. I'm 38 and I work at a graphic design company. And the teenage me would tell you I wouldn't be into drawing and art if it wasn't for Big Brothers Big Sisters. My big sister showed me early on that I could do anything. And to the young me... That meant a lot. My big sister's name is Sheila, and Sheila is the reason that this 8-year-old grows up to have an amazing job as a graphic designer. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Foreclosure is hard on every member of the family, but your family is not alone. If you're struggling with your mortgage, there is help. To learn about the government's Making Home Affordable program, visit makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE to speak to a HUD-approved housing counselor. It's free of charge. Visit makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE today. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, NeighborWorks America, and the Ad Council. And now we have an 8-year-old on the line. Welcome to Our World Today. What's your question? Our continents make up 29% of the Earth's surface, meaning that 71% is comprised of water. Man automatically adapts to environmental conditions. So why do I need to take swimming lessons? Are you ready for kids who eat healthy? Good nutrition can lead to great things. To find out how a healthy lifestyle can help your child succeed, go to mypyramid.gov. Brought to you by the Ad Council and USDA. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn up on the beach. But what held the boys' eyes in awful trance were the figures, the eaters of men, cannibals. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing through the jungle. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, thinking only of his canoe. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Elamine. That's a that's new music right there. That's not new. Oh wow, wow. Okay, all right. Ibrahim said that's not new. Just, that's uh, yeah. I had to stop for a minute and uh, listen to that. Okay. <laughs> all right, Radio Islam family, welcome back. Um, if you haven't already done so, make sure that you find us on social media. You can follow us at Radio Islam USA on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That is at Radio Islam USA. If you have a question or comment you'd like to pose, feel free to give us a call at 312-750-1178. That is 312-750-1178. Happy New Year once again. It is January the 2nd. Um, and uh, there, there are a few things. Uh, we said that we were going to be talking about uh, comedians as thought leaders. And before we, let me preface that uh by saying that, uh, well, there's a saying that says, in every good joke, there's some truth. Right? In every good joke, there's some truth. Uh, there's some truth that resonates with us that, you know, makes us pause, and, and that's what, what, what gets to us. I mean, sure, uh, crazy stories or uh, imagination, these are, these are funny things, but it's the true things that really resonate with most of us most and give us a, a reason to pause and reflect. So uh, some of the best comedians uh, are those who are able to get past our biases, our assumptions, our defenses, and make us look at ourselves. Now, unfortunately, uh, because we don't have edited versions of some of the some of the examples that I, I wanted to talk about tonight, uh, I'm just gonna kind of reference 
a few individuals. Um, and first, I'll start off saying that the idea of being a thought leader, right, in my perspective, it is, it is the, the person who is able to influence the, the discussions, right? Our discussions become the grounds for our movements. They become the grounds for, uh, they become the, the, the grounds for, for, for laws, for policy. They become uh, the grounds for the, the change in how we use uh, words, our vocabulary, the public lexicon. These are all influenced by our thought leaders. And a lot of times when we hear thought leader, we think about academicians, we think about uh, politicians, we think about activists, and we don't necessarily bring to mind the idea of the people that make us laugh as being thought leaders. But I'm contending, I'm, I'm saying that they are just as much um, uh, thought leaders as any of those other class of individuals uh, as I mentioned. And the reason I say it is because uh, we, we are in a society now where if a movie or a song or an interview, uh, if a social media post, if it has resonance or relevance or and relevance uh, with an audience, then what's the first thing we see? If you go to YouTube and just type in reaction videos, you will see countless, countless submissions, user submissions from people who may have uh, from, from one follower or no follower to, to thousands of followers. People that are talking about whatever, whatever it was, whether, it's, whether it was a song. Uh, if you recall when Beyonce, when she um, released Lemonade, there were, I mean, a tremendous amount of reaction videos. Uh, whenever there's a news item, there's something that, that catches the attention of the, you know, of, of the country or the world for that matter, then you will find people posting reaction videos. And it was, uh, it's, and it's no different for comedians. Well, I should say, I shouldn't say it's, it's not any different, but for those who have that type of, uh, that type of relevance and impact, then you will find that. So if you take the time, to do a, a search for reaction videos for Dave Chappelle, the uh, former, uh, the, the star of the, the Chappelle show, which was a groundbreaking uh, comedy um, sketch show uh, that he was a writer and co-producer uh, of, a co-creator of, along with uh, Neil Brennan. Uh, you will see I mean, submission after submission, all, uh, which which is related to his latest special. Uh, he did a three, I think it was a three-deal uh, special with Netflix. And his latest is entitled Equanimity. And the, um, what is it, The Bird? The Bird Review? Yeah, I think, I think that's the title of it. But Equanimity is the first one. So it's two different specials, um, you know, as a part of the same, as, as a part of the same, special so it's in two i guess it's it's in two halves but if you if you're a fan of 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 comedy um and if you definitely if you're a dave chappelle fan then this is this is something that's definitely in my opinion it's, it's definitely worth watching so i bring him up um for for this reason he shared some some thoughts some observations I mean, that were hilarious, I mean, really funny, but at the same time, uh, profoundly, uh, profoundly thoughtful. And one was with regard to, uh, like I said, I, I, you know, we can't play the, the, the clip uh, right now, but one of his comments was with regard, to paraphrase, he said, uh, and this is all around the idea, this is probably not a conversation that has had a whole lot in uh, I'll say in, in Muslim circles, publicly, I'll say. Um, but it was related to the acceptance of the transgender identity uh, in the United States. Right? And, and I should probably, uh, I should probably, and I should say that his words with regard to that, he, he was saying that 
uh, I had to do some self-reflection, ref- uh, ask myself, I, I write all these jokes about transgender people. Uh, do I have something against them? And he said, my res- he says, uh, absolutely not. He says, life, he says, uh, life is hard and it's full of difficult situations. Uh, and I don't understand all those, but making those decisions does not qual- disqualify you from a life of, of dignity and safety uh, and, and happiness. Right. So that was his stance on it. And I think uh, as a as a Muslim, right, as, as a person who believes in the idea of uh, first and foremost, justice and, and human dignity, that is an that is a position that that I can say makes absolute sense. So it is not for me to legislate or live anybody else's life um, and nor to deprive anybody of their human dignity. So. Uh, so I wanted to put that out there first. Now, but what he did say with relation to uh, that conversation around uh, the transgender identity or movement, he said his problem was with the discussion in and of itself. And the comment that he made, which really made me pause, he says, why is it easier? Why was it easier for Bruce Jenner to change his gender? Than it was for Muhammad Ali to change his name. And I thought, and I'm gonna say that again. He said, if you haven't seen it, he said, why was it easier for Bruce Jenner, now known as, as Caitlyn Jenner, why was it easier for him to change his gender than it was for Muhammad Ali to change his name? Now he attached this attached this to something that uh, some folks might might get tired of hearing about it, but if you hear it and you don't understand it, I would really, I would really say that that might be a reason for you to actually take stock of your own uh, your own biases, your own assumptions, and own uh, defenses. And what I'm talking about is the idea of white privilege. And it's, it's thrown around a lot, and sometimes it's put out there in a way where those, uh, uh, where, where white folks, white people, can be painted as, uh, as the villain. One really was being taught, and, and of course, that's not the intent. The idea is to talk about the system, to talk about systems that exist that allow for the oppression or marginalization of others who don't conform or who do not represent the privileged identity. So that also goes along to uh, another point that he mentioned. And this was it with regard to the attack on women or the, the, recent, um, the recent revelations uh, of, that, that women have been making uh, in Hollywood in particular about abuses that they have suffered within the, the whole Hollywood system. And his point was, now, now mind you, I'm relaying all these things just, you know, just kind of matter of fact, word of mouth. Uh, and the genius is that he is able to do this in a way where you're laughing at the same time, but still scratching your head saying, wow, that's really something to think about. And he talked about the need for male allies. He's telling women in particular, he says, you're going to need uh, male allies in this struggle for justice and not just in the struggle to out those individuals who have transgressed, out those individuals who have been um, who have been, who have inflicted uh, oppression, who have committed, you know, these wrong, these acts of, uh, you know, these, these, these committed these wrong, wrongdoings. He said it's important that we understand that as people become afraid, what they do is they just go into hiding. And that really doesn't change a system. And he pointed very very intelligently, he pointed to, he says, you got to look at the model. You look at South Africa, right, after apartheid, after the election of uh, Nelson Mandela. He says, if, if by all, by all, just by all accounts, by all forecasts, there should have been a bloodbath, but it never happened. It, it never happened. The idea that now that those who have been oppressed and marginalized, tortured. You had a man who spent 27 years in prison um, and now to be in a position of being the highest elected official in the land, uh, that that was a point where they could have, it would have been retribution, 
Now we're going to get back at all of you. He says, but that didn't happen. He says, between him and Desmond Tutu, this idea of allowing people to come forward and talk about what role they played in the system, how injustice and oppression was allowed to perpetuate and to exist, and for people to be able to do that with the understanding that even as you commit wrong within a system, that you yourself are being, you are so, you yourself are victims uh, of a sort of that system. So systemic change does not change by simply going after individuals, but it goes, it, it, it changes by allowing those people who have participated uh, willingly or unwillingly, uh, it, 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 cha- it, it comes about by allowing those people uh, the opportunity to explain how that system works. You can't deconstruct a system without understanding the actors. And if the, if the idea or the whole goal is simply to be punitive and make examples of individuals, then those other individuals who have not been caught, they simply fade into the background. But nothing really changes. And these were, those were just two of the, uh, two of the things that, that he talked about uh, in this particular uh, special. And, and once again, to do it while making a room full of people laugh. Uh, that There is a genius in that. And as I said, if you go to YouTube, you'll see countless, uh, you'll, you'll see a bunch of videos where people are giving their reactions. They're reflecting on, on what he said, how he said it, uh, how, it made them, how it made them feel. Now, we may not all agree. We may not all have the same positions uh, on issues on issues that he talks about. doesn't mean just because he talked about it and it was funny or you laughed at it that you're going to agree with him. But at the very least, what it allows us to do is to have a conversation that allows us to come to some type of a, uh, some type of a common point uh, of understanding. Uh, and I'm going to close this with this. It is a sense of, uh, in my opinion, a sense of there's a genius in being able to straddle that fence of being brutally honest, but also at the same time inclusive and aware that the intent is not to uh, tear anybody down, but to use your art form in a way where it allows us to laugh at the things that divide us uh, and and confront those things in ways where uh, we come out as a better people, a better society. So uh, if you have the time, if you are so interested and inclined, I would definitely recommend watching it. Uh, It was definitely, in my opinion, uh, worth watching. My intent was to actually talk a little bit about bring up another one of those uh, thought leaders, uh, Chris Rock uh, and Richard Pryor. But uh, as always, we have uh, underestimated the amount of time uh, or the just how little time one hour is. Uh, that being said, Radio Slime family, we pray that this new year, uh, this 2018, is a productive one, uh, that you and your families are guided and protected, uh, that we are better this year than we were last year. Uh, and I'm going to quote one of my, 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 my colleagues here at work. She's got a, a, a statement, um, and it says, the way you live each day is the way you live your life. And I think that's uh, appropriate to think about in terms of those who are making resolutions. The way we live today is the way we live our lives. So let's, let's live the best life that we can uh, with that. Um, our engineer at WCEV, is Ramon. Thank you very much. Our engineer in studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Beg. I'm your host and producer, Tariq al Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. The words or thoughts expressed by the host and our guests are, th- are theirs and not to be taken as uh, views of sound vision. And guys, family, we look forward to talking to you all tomorrow night. Have a great evening. I'm going to leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.